The NAESP Principal Podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Elementary School Principals, supporting our nation's leaders from preschool through eighth grade. Whether you're looking to develop your professional learning network, extra liability coverage at a fraction of the cost, or you want to level up your professional development, NAESP has you covered. Hello, principals, and welcome to the NAESP Principal Podcast. My name is Rachel George, and I am a educator, leader, um, advocate for kids, anything under that sun um, in Oregon. And I'm also an NAESP fellow. I love that intro, Rachel. My <laughs> name is Adam Welcome. I'm an educator in California and a fellow with NAESP in the Innovation, Innovation Center with my friend, Rachel George. Awesome. Well, hey, Adam and I, again, are just so excited to be bringing you all this NAESP Principal Podcast, where we love to talk about real ideas with some amazing principles, which we have some in store for you today to help make your leadership stronger and more innovative. So Adam, you know, you know both of these people from some social media interactions and just, just being around it in the field of education. And I can't speak enough about how awesome they are. We have, for starters, Miley's Tolan. She's the Director of Secondary Education in Lincoln County, which is also in Oregon. She is one that continuously pushes me to read, and we're actually going to get into summer reading today, and what's on the list, what do you recommend? You know, not only is Miley's a avid reader, she also is an avid writer. She is in the process of doing some editing for her first book that's going to be coming out under the Lead Like a Pirate guidebook series, which is super exciting. And she pushes me to read. Like I used to think that I read a lot. Oh no, she definitely has schooled me up on that. It is her. And with her, we have Brian McCann, who this is awesome because this is a little bit of a pivot and a shift for us just to use those words in 2021. He is a high school principal. We haven't had a high school principal on our podcast yet. And he was the 2018 NASSP digital principal. So if you're an NAESP member, this is like our sister group, our sister organization that covers middle school and high school. And he's a high school principal in Massachusetts. You know, when I talked to Maya Lisa about where she gets her book recommendations, Brian was the first one that comes to mind about who pushes her to pick up those books and start reading. So Brian and Maya Lisa, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Rachel and Adam. Great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so to just kick off, you know, we talk about leadership books, talk about just like books to read if it's like Tom Clancy or or, or whatever. Brian, I'm curious, how do you choose the book that you're reading? Or are you the kind of person like me that maybe you're reading three to five books at the same time? Or does it go in flows? What is like, what is your brain space about choosing a book to read? So I normally I have three different books and three different kinds of books going. So I have my, my book in the car, my audio book. Um, and I, I'm relatively new to the, you know, the audio book. I still call them like books on tape, right? Um, so I'm new, new to it. And, and, you know, Adam and Rachel, I'd like to think that I don't find the books, but the books find me. I, it, maybe it sounds kind of a little corny, but but I think that, so for example, over um, Massachusetts, we have February break. Thank goodness is what we say in Massachusetts for February break. But I, I was at home, like, um, like you know, f- falling down the Facebook, Twitter, well, right, that we fall on, kind of, kind of decompressing. And I find this free podcast that is going to read three chapters of Charles Dickens's uh, David Carpafield a week. And I'm like, 
hmm, I haven't read that since I was a freshman in high school, like 1976, literally. And all I could remember was about, you know, some orphan boy and like terrible things happened to him. I said, why is this coming into my life now? I'm, I just finished my, the audio book I was listening to. Why is this coming into my, so I just, I embrace the opportunity. So I've been doing three chapters of David Copperfield a week since, since then. And I'm going to tell you something. The reason it came into my life was because it provided me with my graduation speech. That's it, because I go to like a chapter 42 of the book, and it talked about why David was successful at this adventure in his life, and it's because he uh, he spoke, spoke about the qualities of perseverance, of patience, and continuous energy, and if anything, he tried to get us through the past, you know, 12 months in schools, it was that, and then, then, he, then he, he, he coupled it with um, other habits of punctuality, order, and diligence, and those are, those are great gifts, you know, to remind people of. So that's why David Copperfield came into my life here. So, so as corny as it sounds. So since we're recommending books, what is this podcast? What's the exact name of it? So people can find it. And if you can't tell, so we record this podcast on Zoom so we can see our guests. And if you can't tell how emphatically excited Brian is when we just said the B word books and he started talking, this is somebody that you need to connect with and listen to his book recos. Brian, do you have that podcast so people can link yes, up I with do. it? It's called Audiophile Audio Break. Audio file, audio break. We'll put that in the show notes just so people can click on it because our goal today was to reco books that people, because I know people are always messaging me and Rachel, this is why we're doing this episode. People are always uh, reaching out to you. Maya Elise, same question. How do you choose your books? Do they choose you? Do they just end up on your doorstep? What is the process? Yeah. So I think my process is just following people. So I love when people, any, anyone will post a picture of a book that they've been reading with one or two sentences that, that go with it. I, I will always read them. And if someone recommends a book to me, sometimes I feel like people recommend things to me because they think I'm maybe not being open-minded enough to their viewpoints. And so I take it super seriously to read those recommendations because they know where my interests lie with everything I post. So when someone recommends something to me, it's either because they've got a very differing viewpoint that they want me to learn more about, which I take super seriously, or I've said something that has sparked kind of a book that they love. And one that happened just like super made my heart happy the other day. Um, once a student graduates from high school, then they can be my Facebook friend, regardless of when they ask, make the request, you know. So I have a former student who's in college now, and he follows a lot of the books that I read. And he just recommended the book um, Range, Why Generalist Triumph in a Specialized World by David Epstein. And so I instantly got it. I have you know, big stack of what to read, but I've got a former student saying, Mrs. Tolan, read this one. And it is awesome. I'm almost finished with it and have been sending it to people specifically that I think would love it um, because it just really talks about how, especially in, in education, we just want people to explore and find their passions. And I have a passion for reading. And so that's great for me, but other people have different passions and we want them to follow it. So I get super, super excited. Um, anytime I get a recommendation and there are some that I have not posted that I've read, because I'm not quite bold enough for people to know I've read that, but I definitely will talk about any book. <laughs> oh, now you have me curious about what those books that you don't post are because you post a ton of them. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Adam, what about you? How did, the, how do you find your books? How do you pick them? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with Brian, just super eclectic. They find me. I love reading the New York Times book sections, social media. Um, I feel like Facebook 
is good for me with like local neighbors where I live in California. I have a bunch of neighbors that will post books and then I'll post, or my mom is an avid reader. My mom lives like four minutes from, uh, from where I live. And I love going back to my Amazon like five years ago to see what I was reading and ordering and then actually reading it again. One book that I want to recommend, it is, um, I'm going to recommend a book. It's called It's Your Ship. It's by Michael Abrashoff. And I found out about this book because he actually spoke to my wife's medical group like eight years ago. He's a former Navy captain. He commanded his own Navy destroyer, frigate, boat, whatever in the Navy. And he talks about his leadership journey. He took this ship was the worst rated ship in the actual US Navy. And just through leadership and listening to people and empowering his sailors, he brought it through however they rank uh, ships to the number one ship. And I love it because it is not education-based, but leaders, teachers, superintendents, whoever you are, whatever you do, you can take physicians, you can take ideas from it and uh, implement those in your work or even just as a human being, I think, like in your neighborhood with whatever you're doing. Super easy book to read. It's your ship. And um, it's kind of like a favorite movie. Like My favorite movie is Sound of Music and I've probably seen it 150 times. And every time I watch that movie, I see something in that movie that I didn't see before. So I'm also a big fan of rereading books because you get something from them that maybe you didn't the first time because you're in a different place. Your viewpoint is in, is in a different place. Rachel, how do you choose books and what are you reading right now? Oh man, the million dollar question. So I can tell you how I don't pick books. I, in the mail, Amazon sent me like the first time ever, like some junk mail about what you should be reading for summer. And I was like, what is this? Like, I don't need Amazon to send me a flyer in the mail with the books because I got to tell you, if you go to my Amazon cart, I have 200 books that are sitting there. So my recommendations come from mostly Twitter um, and my Elise on her Facebook page, which is just fantastic. So when I read them, it goes into a big laundry list of books that I have kind of queued up in my Amazon cart because there's, there's a million that I want to read. And I usually do a big purchase in the month of June, probably like a couple hundred dollars worth that sets me up for the rest of the year. So super, super exciting. But I also have to be put on a book budget because I buy too many books. And I would like to blame my Elise for that. Um, I'm pretty sure my husband would agree. But even without that influence, um, social media, social media, Twitter, put it in my Amazon cart, rock and roll with that. The current book, book that I'm reading though, I have really, really enjoyed it. I'm about ready to finish it up. It is called Stillness is the Key and it's by Ryan Holiday, which ironically, um, my Elise just shared a little video clip off YouTube by Ryan Holiday and some of his approach on how to actually effectively read, which is fascinating and I hope she shares. Um, but this book was posted actually on Facebook and Twitter by Beth Huff. And I believe she actually got the book recommendation by Brian, one of your connected friends, um, Glenn Robbins, who is also a digital principal uh, for NASSP. So the networking and the connections and the PLN within Twitter has just been so powerful because it's really helped leverage what's hot right now for reading. And they've always been good, great, I mean, amazing book recommendations. So yeah, that's, that's my approach. We, we not the yeah. Amazon flyer. <laughs> yeah, we need to start. I've thought about this for years and people have brought it up. We need to start some kind of internal intra 
loan recommendation kind of book thing. I've been part of a running group forever and we've like shared running books internally and um, hey, I want to support authors. I'm an author. Many of us are authors, right? But also from a standpoint of, of just sharing the books, the recommendations, the conversations about them. So how about we do a quick round of give us your, give us two to three book recommendations off the top of your head, education related, non-education related. They could be cookbooks. I'm a huge cookbook fan because leaders need to cook well, because when you cook well and you eat well, you feel hopefully better and you perform better. So Brian, quick round, uh, two to three books, what you, why you recommend them, what they're about, give us the cliff notes, go. One of my favorite books that I, that I read in the past five years was Jessica Leahy's The Gift of Failure. She's, she's a New England writer and she just came out with a new book, The Addiction Inoculation. And I'm really, really looking forward to that one. I wish I had read Leahy's Gift of Failure when I had kids in middle school because they were in high school there because I read it and I said, oh my gosh, I did everything wrong. Uh, so she, she's, she's awesome. Um, I would, so I would highly recommend her as uh, an author. I'm, um, I'm into like go, going back to, to books in the in the 70s. I love I love the, the the decade of the 70s. And right now I'm in the middle of Leon Uris's Trinity, uh, really about the you know the the uh, the battle between uh, Catholics and the Protestants in 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 the motherland. Um, so I'm really really enjoying that. Um, I, one of the uh, books that that have been on my shelf like for years and I haven't gotten to and I want to commit to it is. Uh, uh, wins the sympathizer that he won the Pulitzer Prize and he, and he just came out with a, a sequel the committed um, about about his, you know his experiences um, I'm really looking forward to that and uh, the last thing um, I read a play a week I've been with a friend from college and we've been doing it for five years we just we have a, a google keep that we that we in addition to everything else we read a play a week, and sometimes it's a it's a modern play. Sometimes it's something from the nineteenth century. Sometimes it's a musical. Um, so that's really really interesting to me. So I have a I have um, some I have uh, two Irish plays coming up in my in my queue. Um, that and I'm going to revisit the world according to Garp because I haven't read it in forty years. So. Okay, so I'm super curious, Brian. What did you teach when you were in the classroom? I'm what like subject? going back, like social yeah, studies, yeah. language arts. Maybe I'm missing the yeah, boat. Yeah, so I, when I was in the classroom, I taught English for 12 years. Um, I, I did the National Honor Society, I did the school newspaper. I, I helped with the theater. Uh, no, no spoiler alert there, right? Um, so that was, it was great. And I'm going to tell you from from going through years of saying like theater major, what, what like that's going to get you nowhere. The theater major has been the most awesome preparation to be a high school principal. Oops, dog. Love it. Thank you. Miley, you're up. I cannot limit it to two or three that I would recommend. So um, I'm going to, to try here. Um, I could just like recommend a million. Um, so I'm going to cheat on that one. One thing I'm going to recommend, I'm totally cheating. So um, I joined Stephen Curry's book club. It's through Literati and uh, it's called Underrated. Not a single book he has picked has been a book I would pick and they have all been incredibly phenomenal about very amazing people. So um, I think one of the things I would really recommend is to find somebody who inspires you. Stephen Curry totally inspires me and he inspires my 10 year old son, which is why I joined his book club so that I could show James be a reader and be a feminist because he's also a real strong feminist. Um, and so 
you know, find that and then look at what they're reading, which is what I've done with Stephen Curry. But I'll, I'll give you some titles. Um, I recommend to everyone that they read the book Tightrope by Nicholas Kristoff uh, and Cheryl Wu Dunn. Um, it is set in rural Oregon, actually about an hour from where we live, but it could be any any rural town. And it's where he grew up. And he is now a New York Times writer, a best-selling author. And he goes back through what happened to the kids he went to school with growing up. And it's just a phenomenal book. It could be any one of our towns, any one of our friends growing up. And so I highly recommend um, that you read that one. Another one I recommend is The Black Friend on Being a Better White Person. Um, it's by Frederick Joseph. And of all of the books that I have been reading um, to learn more about racial justice, social justice, uh, race in general, this one hit me personally the hardest out of any of them because the author's about, about my age. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> but he's about my age. And he talks about what it was like growing up with all of his white friends and things that he wished he would have said to them growing up or known to even say to them to help them on their path. And it really hit me. I mean, there were there were multiple things I realized about myself that I had had done and not known um, and needed to correct regardless of how long ago they were. So that that was a, a great one that I read. Um, and then the last one that I'll just say is Stacey Abrams, who I just think is phenomenal, has um, a novel out. And so it is my next one to read. As soon as I get done with range, I'm picking up Stacey Abrams novel. And I took a picture of the cover because I knew I'd get nervous and not remember. Um, so let me grab it really fast. Uh, While Justice Sleeps. So I'm really excited to uh, have that be my summer novel read. Yeah, I've read um, Stacey Abrams' first book and um, While Justice Sleeps is actually on my list. And I just put tightrope. So kind of like the Amazon, I'm trying to use my public library more because my wife said, Adam, you know, Amazon, Amazon has a lot of money um, and use your public library because it supports the library. And then we go in, we make a donation and um, it's great. Rachel, I'm going to do my recos. Can I do my two to three recos? Yeah, I'm curious. So I've already done It's Your Ship. The Third Door is one of my favorite books of all time. It's by Alex Banyan. And this guy was going to USC and he was in school. He didn't like it. He got tickets to The Price is Right. And instead of, instead of studying for his final, he Googled how to kind of hack the prices, right? He skipped his final. He went to the prices, right? He got on stage. He won the big sweepstakes um, and he sold it all. And his goal was to interview people on how they became successful. He got, he got Bill Gates. He got all these people. And the third door, the analogy is in life, you can go through the front door. You can go through the back door or you can go through the third door, which there's always another door to go through. Easy book to read. I've read it probably five times and I don't really read books, reread books a lot. Super, super awesome. It's highly recommended. Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens is one of my favorite books of all time. It just absolutely blew me away. The book is great. I've heard that uh, Reese Witherspoon bought the rights to the book to maybe make a movie. I love, so Delia has written books, but they've all been nonfiction. 
this was her first, her first novel, her first fictional book. And she's in her seventies. So she wrote her first book really in the seven, in her inner seventies, her publisher printed 28,000 copies in the first year alone in 2019. She sold over 3 million. So I love that story too, because it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. You have an idea, you put them together and, and you move forward uh, with those ideas. And I love um, Jesse Itzler's Living with a Seal. So Jesse Itzler is married to uh, Blakely, who, um, who owns Spanx, who's like a self-made billionaire. And um, Jesse Itzler is a part owner in Zico Coconut Water, the Atlanta Hawks. So he's kind of this like crazy dude. He used to be a rapper. He actually hired a Navy SEAL to live with him for 30 days and to train him because he really wanted to push him outside of his comfort zone. It is absolutely a hilarious book. Um, the seal actually turned out to be David Goggins, who a lot of people know, who has written some books, who's an interesting dude in his own right as well, too. It's funny. It's going to push you out of your comfort zone. So um, those are my three book recos and kind of some cliff notes on why. Rachel, what do you got? What do you got going on? Yeah. So this one's going to go back a couple of years for me for when I read it. It's called Chop Wood, Carry Water, How to Fall in Love with the Process of Becoming Great. And it's by Josh Medcalf. I'm hoping I pronounced his last name right. M-E-D-C-A-L-F. It was like completely brought up as a sight word reader, not a phonics reader. So when I have like unknown words, I completely suck at it. So just to own that. Um, this book was introduced to me when I was teaching a college course for aspiring leaders and it was an evaluation and supervision class. And one of the students was actually working with this company and it really helped talk about growth mindset and enjoying that process and embracing the suck. And that you often don't see the results of what you're working on until much further down the road. And so the book title definitely caught my attention. And then his background did because he's a self-made writer, self-made like leadership person and guru so when the class finally ended I ordered the book it's like a thin little thing and I I was impressed I was in a funk at the time I was teaching two hours a day within the student contact day because our class sizes were 35 at the elementary level while still trying to be a principal and I was ready to crack and this book literally pulled me out of that funk and it helped show me that there were a lot of great celebrations and reasons that I was being like challenged with different things going on in my life. And it made me flip my mindset. And then the most beautiful piece was at the very end, there was a leadership reading book challenge. And I liked, I like challenges. And it had a laundry list of books that they said, oh, these will change your life. And, you know, I didn't think that that would be possible, but it, but it was. And ironically, the majority of the books that were on there were not education books. They were ones that made you think and stretch your, um, your perspective and viewpoint. And it's been a game changer, complete game changer. Now I want to warn you when you read it, you might find a typo or two. And I want you to embrace this piece because, and, and, you know, he kind of gets ripped a little bit on Amazon, like, oh, you call yourself an author and you have some typos or like a little, a mistake in there. And he's like, seriously, did you publish a book yet? Like I published it on my own. I wrote it on my own. It's a work in progress. Mistakes are okay. So I just love how those two kind of partner together. Um, so if you haven't read that quick read, I actually pulled it out this morning because I want to revisit it. And I'm not a person that rereads books at all. And then the second book I have for you is Achieving Equity and Excellence. Uh, this is immediate results from the lessons of high poverty, high success schools. 
by Douglas Reeves. So huge Doug Reeves fan. I think um, there's many fans out there of his. He just does phenomenal work. But remember, he was the author of the 90-90-90 study. Um, and he's been able to follow those different schools to where many of them now are actually achieving it 100%. Uh, I think that oftentimes schools that have a high poverty background um, and have a large population of students that are potentially at risk get a bad rap and people don't think that they can achieve. I think people say kids can always all learn, but do they really believe that in their soul? I think that there's some that actually don't, unfortunately. And he's one that knows it's possible. And he's been working with school districts and schools to really move the needle. And I think now more than ever, we need that clarity, that focus to be able to help leverage, leverage our resources and our time with students. So excellent, excellent read. Thanks for the recos, Rachel. Brian, how do you find time to read a play a week and all these books? Where do you read tips on that for people to read more? That's something that people ask me. I just don't have the time. We have time for what we make time for. Brian, how do you make the time? Well, I, I'm, I'm very habit oriented. Like I do the same thing Monday through Friday with the school. So I get up at like 4.30, I walk four miles, and then I come home and between 5.30 and 6 a.m. is my time. I have a little couch in this room right over there. And I set my Alexa for 5.58, right? right couldn't it be 5.59, it has to be 5.58 to go off. And I read for, for, you know, consistently for about 25 minutes every morning for whatever, whatever play I've started or, you know, continuation in, in, in my book. But that time is mine. I used to, I used to make, I, I used to read. Uh, 10 minutes before I did buses at school, but I, ha I, I had to re readjust that. So I just read in the morning because my, my, my excuse always was, I don't have time to exercise. I had plenty of time to read. I didn't have time to exercise. Then now I can do both. And, and I, I front load uh, uh, an Ed Chat I do every morning at 5.30 to I front load that the night before. So I can do all three in, in the span of an hour. So I can get in 7,000 steps and read for 25 minutes. Because by, by the time I go to bed at night, I'm lucky if I make two pages. Yeah, I fall asleep at night all the time as well, too. I think those habits are a great point. My kids are doing summer camp now and I'm driving them around and I just bring a book with me wherever I go, because if I don't have a book, I'm going to look at my phone. I'm going to listen to a podcast, which isn't the worst thing, but I also might go down the Instagram, YouTube hole. But if I have a book there in the console and I'm waiting for 20 minutes, boom, you can get like three chapters done. So put, bring them with you. I think that's a really easy lift to do. And, and sometimes I'm reading, you know, a hardcover book and I have it on Kindle so I can do that on the phone. So if I'm on an errand, I, you know, I just kind of sync it all up and, uh, and, and that works for me too. Um, Elise, what are your habits? How do you find the time to devour all these literary gems that you talk about? Very similar to Brian. Um, I get up between 4 and 4.30 every morning and that gives me until 5.30. So I tend to uh, sit and read. Um, that's just an unload the dishwasher. That's one of my morning habits. If it's unloaded, I pretend because I don't want to break the habits. So I'm going strong since January 1st. Um, and then I hit the beach at 5.30 with my dog, with my headphones in and always have, um, I always have an audio book when I'm on the treadmill. Um, even when I'm on the Peloton, I have the audio book in as long as I'm doing one, it's pre-recorded because I can see what I'm supposed to do next. So um, I take full advantage of, of that component, but I just made it a priority that I'm going to have time to read because it's what relaxes me. So I have to make sure that, that I have that piece. If I don't get it in, then I, I get pretty tense. So, um, which is weird, but I just figure out how to, to make that always happen every morning. And then like you guys take that book with me. 
Rachel, how do you read all these books? Mine's the, the morning time. I've slowed my morning down to have a nice, easy start into the day, drinking coffee. And there's about four books that I cycle through uh, each morning. I read about a chapter of each and slowly progress. I also have some books that are stationed up by my bed upstairs. So I'll pick those up at night and I tend to carry a book around. I used to do a lot of Audible and Kindle Unlimited, but in the last mm, six to nine months, I've shifted away from that. I think I just really need like a physical book in my hand. I think it was the, the technology piece and then just the noise that's always coming into my life. I just needed to be able to zone it out and, you know, dive deep into a book. So morning and evening, but mostly morning for sure. What about you? Yeah, kind of everything. Like I don't have, I have routines, but the morning is my workout time. So I, I get up at four, 4.30 as well. We have the same habits. I love this book group already. I see some kind of something else on our horizon, my friends. Um, yeah, honestly, when I can, if I like, if I have three minutes, I'll pick up the book and read for three minutes. I don't, uh, I just like to maximize as much time as I can in a book. Brian, if you could spend an hour with any author, who would they be and why? I probably would go a little, little 20, 20th, 20th, 20th century, 20th century classical and, and say, I'd probably sit down with Salinger um, because, it, because he, he's such an enigma, right? And I, 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 I enjoyed Catcher in the Rice so much as a, as a young boy and a young man and then, and then sh shared that love when I, when I was an English teacher. Uh, his short stories, his, his nine stories are, are fantastic. Um, I, I think Salinger would, would do it for, for me. What would you talk about with him? Do you think he drinks coffee, tea? I mean, do you think he'd be easy to talk to? What do you yeah, think? No, I don't think he'd be easy to talk to. I, I think I think I'd be like, oh, you're so wonderful, right? And he'd be like, is this over here? <laughs> um, I, I would be. I would definitely be interested in 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 speaking with him. You know, I I found that like uh, just authors these days are so approachable on social media. So when I finish a book that I really like, I throw out a tweet, and. I hear from like, I don't want to say most of them, but a lot of them will say like, thanks, Brian. And maybe it's just can't acknowledge him. But I'm like, you know, I feel like Sally Field at the Oscars, right? They like me. They, they appreciate me reading their books. Um, so, so I think that's, it's, it's interesting in, in this age of social media, how we can really connect very quickly. With, with didn't, uh, yeah, didn't Salinger write in a pen name after Catcher on a Rye for years and years? I think he did. I have to research that. They don't know that. Yeah, I have to think. Mylise, how about you? What author would you like to spend an hour with and who would they be and why? I'll cheat again and say Michelle Obama because she wrote a book. So there <laughs> for sure, I'd love to sit with her. Um, actually, I think who I would want to sit and talk with would be Betty Webb, who is a, an Arizona author and she writes a really quick detective um, stories that are all based on at kind of true crime events or off of a real story down there. And they've been fascinating. And I think I'd want to sit with her because my mom was, a, if I think I'm an avid reader, she was like crazy reader. And she um, got really into these Betty Webb detective novels and was constantly reading them. So I took them all um, when I was up at her house. And now they're all back at my house, but my mom just like loved her. And so I would Think she would be a cool one to sit with like how did she come up with the research they're very historically accurate and I always like to look into 
what happened and what was going on there um, during that time. So I think Betty Webb from Arizona would be who I would want to, um, who I'd want to sit with. Rachel, how about you? Who would they, uh, what author would you like Ooh. to hang out with? Yeah, two. But before I dive into those, I just want to piggyback on what Brian said about Twitter. Um, holy moly, that blew my mind when all of these authors would start to like, they'd tweet back at you or acknowledge what you posted. Like fan girl moment, my Twitter stalking increased tenfold. And that's actually probably what pulled me in the most because I had always been just reading up a storm and to actually have access to these people that used to be almost like fictional people in my mind, it made them real, it was just incredibly powerful. So um, author, who would I wanna spend time with? Well, for starters, I would say Schmoker because I loved his focus book. Um, but the ironic thing is that my Elise and I have both visited with him. I interviewed him for an ASCD podcast. And so like that, that bucket's been checked, like bucket filled done. So the next one up would be Brene Brown. Love her work, love her work, listen to her podcast, but it would just be completely fascinating to sit down and visit with her. So, and I don't want to like see her in public and then go up and bug her. So I think that I would want to like have a boundary there and not be a creeper. So schedule it, connect with Brene Brown. What about you? Yeah, um, I loved the, uh, the book of joy by the Dalai Lama and uh, Desmond Tutu. It came out in 2016, 17, and uh, it was actually curated. I can't remember his name through interviews with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. I saw Desmond speak when I was in college, but I would love to, my second favorite movie is Seven Years in Tibet, which is a true story about a Austrian climber going to climb a mountain and then spend seven years in Tibet and gets to know the Dalai Lama. And um, before he was exiled, I would just love to sit down and talk with both of those, both of those men and to pick their brain and just to see all the things they've been through and talk about and read and just their, just their spiritual nature. I would just, I would love to absorb um, some of that. So as we're sitting here and we're talking about all these books, we, the four of us are avid readers and I, I want to, I want to send some advice to people. We're all educators. How, how do we get reluctant readers reading? My Elise, you talked about your mom. My dad, who was a second grade teacher for 35 years, was just an absolute bibliophile. As a child, everywhere we went, he would research the used bookstores. And we, we went to thousands, thousands of used bookstores all across California and New York. And he had probably a thousand books in our house as a kid, just floor to ceiling. And I was that reluctant reader and he did not give up introducing books, introducing books, introducing books. And then finally in third grade, he hooked me with Roald Dahl and I've just been a voracious reader ever since. But how do we get adults, but really kids reading? How do we get those reluctant readers reading? Brian, what is your best advice? I think we need to talk about it. We, we need, it's, 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 reading should not, not necessarily be a private activity. We need to talk about it. We need to talk about it with our teachers, with our coworkers, and with our students. So I, I look back when I, I challenged myself, one, between October and April of one year, I read War and Peace. It was, I, it was a slog, and like, I like some of the peace better than the war, but I did it. I did it, every, you know, I read it every day a little bit here. But in my weekly newsletter, I would tell them what page I was on. With just at the bottom, when I would sign it, I would just say, uh, you know, on page 676 of, you know, 1200 or whatever, whatever it was there. 
I got more feedback on that. Like, oh, keep going, Mr. McCann, you know, you're, you're doing well. And oh, you know, it, 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 people will comment about what kind of book you're, you're reading here. So people know I'm a reader. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I used to read in the morning and do buses, I would always have my book with me because you know, there might be 15 seconds between buses and you could get a paragraph in. Right on it. So, and, and kids would say, "What are you reading?" So, I don't think I don't think we have to be we don't have to we don't have to be so private about it. And I'm not afraid to say, you know, I like to read important books. I like to read topical books. I like to read classic books. But I like to read trashy books too. I like nice sit on the beach. You know, where's my Jackie Collins cannon? Where is it? Where is it? I, I you know, I enjoy. I enjoy just mindless books sometimes because it, it breaks it up. Just like I love celebrity biographies. Um, it just breaks it up and it makes life a little bit more eclectic, but I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to tell people what I'm reading. Rachel, I'm going to tweet that out. Brian McCann likes trashy books. I think that might get some traction in Massachusetts. I think, uh, I think they know. <laughs> Miley, how about you? How do we get people uh, that are reluctant reading? That's so funny. I am somehow I decided that I actually like uh, contemporary romantic comedy novels. Like I just eat them up. I can't, it's so funny to me. Um, so I think when I was a high school principal, what I really focused on was making reading like the cool thing and really highlighting the books that were being read and that people were reading. So on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, we did what to read Wednesday and kids knew it was coming. Like I just walked around with my phone through the lunch cafeteria into classrooms. And just taking pictures of all the different books that kids had sitting out there and they would talk to me about them. If I needed a book, I really tried to read a lot of young adult um, literature when I was in the building so I could relate to it and talk with kids about it. I'd get on the intercom like, who's got a copy of Twilight? I need Twilight. I've got a prize. And when it showed up, then I'd find a prize in my office to give, give it out there. Um, and then I really tried to find their interest. I think the best way to get reluctant readers of any age to read is to just hear things that they're looking for, things that they're really um, interested about, and then just kind of keep coming at them like, oh, you should read this book. Oh, this is a great one for you to read. Um, it, you know, and a lot of research shows that boys really like series and nonfiction. And so I really work for kind of the nonfiction and series. And then kind of when you guys were talking about the tweeting out um, in Stephen Curry's book club when I had tweeted or I had messaged in there that I'm reading Black Brother, Black Brother with my son and he was really excited. Stephen Curry messaged back, tell your son, hi, you know, that's so great. You're reading it with him. And the other day he was playing uh, video games and my daughter heard him say, hey, my mom's friends with Stephen Curry, whatever works, read the book, buddy. That's what we're going to do. So um, I think just finding things that will inspire them and interest them in it and engage them is great. Yeah, I think that I think that relentless attitude is so important. I have a 10 year old daughter who's a voracious reader. She would read till midnight every night if my wife and I would let her and my son who's going to be in third grade is more reluctant. So I just we just haven't given up. We just buy books, buy books, buy books, check books out. I'll leave them throughout the house. And about a couple months ago, I bought this series of books, Dory McGorry, Phantom McGorry, just something. I'm like, I don't even know if he's going to like them, but I bought them. And uh I, I'm like, honey, come here. And he's on the couch. Un, he did, did not ask him. He's reading the books. And I'm like, yes. Like that is, it, it's a win. It's a win, but just leaving them all over the place. Don't talk about video games. Don't talk about Netflix. Just talk about books. And my kids will always go, dad, how do you know that? I'm like, 
Wait, we know you read it in a book. So when you do make it, when you make knowledge cool and you tell them that you got the knowledge from a book and not from a YouTube video or Facebook or Instagram or Wikipedia, hopefully they're just going to guide them, guide them to that. Rachel, what do you think? And then uh, let's close this book podcast out. I know, which I have mixed feelings about. I feel like I could talk about books and just what we're reading and thoughts all day long, but um, unfortunately we do need to close it up. So Maya, Elise and Brian, thank you so, so much for joining us. I'm curious, are all of our listeners out there, um, how can they connect with you? Where would they find you at? Brian, you want to go first? Sure. Um, tw- tw- Twitter's my, my uh, at case high prints, no E, like principal. Um, no royalty, just case high prints. Perfect. Maya Elise? Yeah, just my name um, on Twitter at Elise Tolan. And I love to connect. So any books, any recommendations out there, I look for them and would love to keep sharing them. Love it, love it, love it. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. So until next time, we will catch you later. Thanks everyone. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Elise. Keep reading. Thank you. Thank you.